Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Hey, thanks for joining us for this podcast. I just want to do a little trigger warning at the beginning. So we are talking about alcoholism and drinking and childhood, and this can be a little triggering for those of us that grew up with parents that may have had alcoholism. So just to let you know, but I think truthfully, it's mostly just informative and pretty funny actually. So please give us a listen. And if you need to stop every now and again and just take a deep breath, please do. Thanks. We know we're having some issues with our sound right now. We are working on it and hopefully it'll be better soon. Thanks for bearing with us through it. Yep. Our sound is brought to you by three therapists who have no idea how to do sound. (laughs) That's exactly fucking right. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Podcast Therapist, brought to you by Virginia Family Therapy. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hi, guys. I'm happy to see you. I know. I'm so excited to see you guys. You too. We text all day, every day, but we don't actually get to see each other all the time. I know, because we're all in our offices providing therapy, but now the door is not open, but it's open to you all, which is joyful. (laughs) So let's pick up where we left off. Yes. Today, we are going to talk about how do we talk to our kids about adult drinking. So as a parent, when I drink, because I do, how do I talk to my children about it? How do you talk to your children about it? Uh, That's actually a really good question, to be honest (laughs) with you. So I haven't really had to, but I think that once my kids have turned like nine, 10-ish, it's definitely a conversation. I think before age nine or 10, it hasn't really been a thing. But then once kids are observant enough and kind of understanding the world and hear about drinking and driving, and then they see you drinking, it's, it becomes really important to have a conversation. I think before that, the only time it's important is if something happens. So I think when kids before nine and 10, the only reason you really need to address it is if something big in the room happens and Mm -hmm. it draws their attention Mm -hmm. on it or Mm -hmm. focuses on it and you have to share something. And even then you have to do it very age appropriately. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily want to sit down and lecture on the pluses and minuses of alcoholism to a four-year-old. But I think sometimes, you know, you can talk about whatever might've been scarier, right? Cause some apprehension for a kid. And I think earlier than nine or 10, you can start like labeling drinks. Yes. Right. Like I don't think it needs to be a mystery that mom is drinking a beer. Right. Or a glass of wine. Right. I think If you want to drink in front of your kids, it's age appropriate after, I don't know, toddlerhood to basically say like, I'm having a beer. A beer has alcohol in it and kids don't drink alcohol. That's why you can't have a beer. Yes. (laughs) To your five-year-old. Exactly. Is that accurate? No. I mean, I think our thesis statement, because guys, we actually did talk about this beforehand. And our thesis statement is really talk to your kids about drinking and model healthy behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So model healthy behavior and explain it in age appropriate terms so that they can understand it because that's an important part of their learning. 
And I think, to be honest, the reason that I wanted to really talk about this before we came and talked about this podcast is because I am the child of an alcoholic and I have my own stories and my own thoughts in my head about adult drinking. And it's really important for me to think about what my own triggers are as we're having this conversation, because it's important to be thoughtful about it. I think so many people do. So many people have some kind of like baggage or stuff around drinking and alcohol. Yes. I also grew up with an alcoholic father. And so I think as therapists, we go and we do our own work around this, although this might be in part why we're good therapists, but we go and do our own work around it. But I think even talking about this topic, I have lots of memories as a kid. By the way, Mm. not my stepfather, my biological father, just for those who Mm. know my stepfather, just Mm. to be clear. But it just, yeah, it's interesting. Like just even having this conversation with you guys, I'm like, all of a sudden think of things as we're trying to talk about. And as I think about it, I think about, oh, those things would have been so much nicer had I known them as a kid. Oh, right. If you would have had someone to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Or just explain to me what was happening. Yeah. And I think I think about it because I am an adult who drinks. And if you all didn't listen to our last podcast, by the way, let me say it again. There is zero judgment in this room about who adults who drink. Like I certainly drink in front of my kids. And I have, I think I have anxiety about it because of my, my father's alcoholism. And so it's certainly something I think about and talk about. In fact, a lot, actually, now that I'm realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, again, it's not, it's, it doesn't have to, it's one of those things that I think was so secretive for so many generations and doesn't have to be. So it was kind of like a, there was given behavior in a home around drinking, like even in TV and movies, like if you go back and watch old movies, like they're carrying drinks around and the way they're, but nobody's naming it or talking about it necessarily. But if it's healthy drinking, it's still important to clarify for kids, like what is, what's okay about it or what, why Mm -hmm. they can't also have wine with you. I think the number of kindergartners that tell their kindergarten teachers how much wine they're parents drink has got to be (laughs) amazing. I'm sure it's all of them for the most part. (laughs) But I also think, and we've talked about this with other podcast topics, not talking about something relays a message to your kid. Absolutely. So like not talking about drinking or not acknowledging that I've had a drink shows my kid that like, oh, you're not supposed to talk about this or it's something bad. And I think assuming that like, oh, my young child will just understand that I'm drinking and that it's okay. The research shows that kids usually actually make negative narratives in their head yes. when we don't tell them what's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, let's just work on telling our kids what we're doing. I mean, yeah, you don't have to sit them down and say like, mom's going to have two glasses of wine tonight. <laughs> this is my favorite kind yeah, yeah. of rosé. <laughs> well, that actually leads me. So I realize that I do a lot of thinking about this topic because I also listen to podcasts about drinking behavior because I think I'm like trying to normalize and figure out around what's healthy and what's not healthy for myself and for even this conversation. But the podcast I just listened to essentially said was fascinating. It was on Today Explained, that Vox podcast. And it essentially says that there's been a huge increase in women drinking in particular through the pandemic, and it's been mostly at home, right? So it's been lots of women drinking as a self-soothing device and using it to manage their stress. And that's really skyrocketed the rates. But the interesting thing was it says, if we look at evolution, there's a reason that drinking has actually been helpful for us. And that's when we party together. So there is actually Mm. this like social fabric that drinking provides. 
And so my take home from that was essentially like, I can do the social drinking and be thoughtful about that. It's the drinking at home for stress reduction that probably has to shift because there's nothing healthy that's coming from it. That's interesting. It was fascinating. Yeah. I thought. Yeah. Listen to that podcast actually. Yeah. Can you um, send us that I'll episode? put it in the show notes because I was like, Perfect. oh, this is, this is fascinating because I do know last week we were saying, and this is true, like so many moms love to sit and drink alone, right? right. Like I love to open a book actually not open a book to watch Netflix. <laughs> and that's, that's once, once I opened a book and I closed it. Um, but, but like, <laughs> it's because you fall asleep if you're reading a book, yeah. right? But I love like when my kids aren't home, I'm like, it's a celebration. I'm alone. And I like have a drink then. When but I also think like having a celebration alone is different than stress reduction drinking. Yeah, I think you're right. I yeah. think you're totally right. Right. About that. If you're like, oh my God, this is the first five seconds I've had to myself all day and I like have to have a drink. That's different than being like, I'm home and I'm alone and I feel good and I'm going to have a you're drink. You're absolutely right. There's a difference. A million percent. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. That's yep. a good point. So I guess then we're saying be thoughtful as an adult, be thoughtful about your drinks alone, right? Just be more thoughtful of them, especially when they're used as stress reduction. So how do you explain that it's just adults that drink? Like how, how would, how do you feel like, I mean, I have the oldest kids, so we have had some of these conversations, but I'm asking like, cause your kids are just about to hit that age. Right? Oh yeah. Are, are your oldest one's kind of that age now, but. So I think when they're younger, you say like, this is an adult drink. This is an alcoholic drink. I know there's a lot of the, the line about mommy juice, it makes me anxious. And again, I don't know if that's my own issue, guys. I'm I'm putting that out there. But the idea that wine is like mommy juice essentially to me is like these kids are going to grow up kind of glorifying wine as like, and then that makes me worried that, you know what? I'm, does that make sense that to totally you? That totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But am I being too anxious? Meanwhile, I like told my niece that my wine was leany juice. But that's your like, name. Yeah. That's not like a... It's not like a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's not like auntie juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're only aunts so, drink it. Yeah. They're like, oh, my sister had a baby. I'm so going to get to drink. Beer bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Well, there is that. That's a whole different deal. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's labeling is important. And also the honesty of that in saying, you know, only adults can drink alcohol. And it's not just because of the law, but it's because of brain development. I mean, you have to go on to all that necessarily with a 10-year-old, but it is more interesting to talk to teenagers about that specifically. Oh, absolutely. So I think using the right labels for it, you might say an adult drink with younger kids. And and by the way, I'm not against like having a kid try like a beer or have a sip of it just to see what it tastes like, because they're probably not going to like it, period. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But I think the idea of labeling it as like an adult drink, you can only have it when you're adult. It has alcohol in it and it can impact your brain mm-hmm. because it's still maturing. Yeah. I talk to client like, I mean, I, this is mostly with teenagers, but I talk a lot about like babying your brain. So like if you oh. already have risk factors, right? So if you're seeing me because you're super anxious or really depressed, right? Like we really want to be as kind to your brain as we possibly can. So I'm not saying you can never drink alcohol, but trying to have my clients understand with me that like, hey, I'm already trying to be really kind to my brain because something's going on. And if I can just like push it down the line further until my brain is more developed, that works to their advantage. That's a great line. Yeah. I mean, I literally said to my daughter, 
our genetic pool is like a loaded gun when it comes to addiction. And the later you pull the trigger, the better your body and brain can respond because it has time to grow and mature and you'll make better decisions. But the earlier you do that, your body will adjust around that. Mm -hmm. And that always, that doesn't always work out well Mm -hmm. because some of the, I mean, not everybody, but oftentimes when you speak to people who deal with addiction, it starts very early or teenagers Mm -hmm. or whatever. But again, we're giving, when we have those kinds of conversations with teenagers, we're talking to them in a way that teens will respect and understand. We're not saying to them, this is a choice because it's not, it's illegal to drink under the age of 21, but we are saying, and obviously we know that teens can get hold of it and can drink, but what we are saying is be kind to yourself, like allow yourself that. And we're appealing to them in a sense that they have some control over it and some decision-making because mm-hmm. all teens want some control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think you can talk about like, hey, the part of your brain as a teenager that like is not working is like logical reasoning, decision-making, mm-hmm. right? So if you're then going to consume a substance that affects that, like alcohol, you're basically like not in a place to make any good decisions for mm-hmm. yourself. I think to me, sometimes the wrong way to talk to teens about this is the scare tactic. And I think a lot of parents go there yes. and they paint a very bleak and frightening kind of picture about drinking. So they, they talk about, you know, drinking, they talk about car accidents, they talk about spiraling out of control with addiction. I mean, they just paint a horrendous kind of mm-hmm. outcome. And I think that doesn't actually teach our teens anything. It just teaches them that their parents are super anxious. Well, and I think it makes it really confusing, right? If you paint alcohol as incredibly dangerous and a bad thing, and then you go home and drink two glasses of wine in front of your teenager or your kid, like that's a very confusing message. And that's why we scaffold it. So that's why we're saying take them along with you as, as they're growing up right? Give it to them in age appropriate terms as they can understand it growing up because you're not using scare tactics. You're essentially teaching them how to do it responsibly as you demonstrate responsible drinking. That doesn't mean we're perfect. Like let's not convince ourselves that we are perfect drinkers out there. Like we're all going to have too much sometimes in front of our kids, not all of us, but some of us, but it does mean that we have conversations with our kids as we grow up. And remember that children miss very little. In that if you come home from a party and you're incredibly loud and that's not your usual, kids do pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, little little subtleties kids will wonder about. And like you said, Caroline, they'll create a narrative around it that can be really dangerous. And so the more you can have a conversation and normalize, you know, this is a social norm for most people. And this is kind of, you know, it's about respecting your body, respecting your brain, respecting other people that you're with, respecting the law you know, those things, those are all good conversations to have and start young. There's a lot less curiosity then created. And not that you won't have a teen go drink too much the first time they try to drink or whatever, but the more conversation you can even have about that, all those things are super important and and very educational. It's hard though. It's interesting. I think when I started to think about how to talk to my own daughter about it, even though I have helped other families talk about this forever, it was a lot harder than than when I sat in the cheap seat in the room and just was like, yeah, have a conversation about it. Let me know how that goes. Or, you know, give a few pointers here and there. It's a lot harder when it's your kid. And actually it's a lot harder when it's you, right? As yes. when it's when it's you're drinking, when yeah. it's your drinking. Yeah. So let's talk about it. So we've actually split this up into different types of drinking that adults do. So let's talk about how do you talk to your kids about kind of that 
nightly glass of wine or the wine that you have with dinner, you know, one to three ish, probably one to two. And say it's like a 10 year old. Let's, let's use 10 year olds because you know, you can age that up or age that down. Right. Mm -hmm. So I happen to have a 10 year old and I just say, yeah, this is something it just helps. It doesn't help. That's not the right word. Um, you can say you enjoy it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just something mm-hmm. we drink it that I drink at the end of the day sometimes because I enjoy it. It's like a ice mm-hmm. cream or mm-hmm. is that right? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think you can just say it's just something that because I'm an adult and I, I actually like this and I'm allowed to have it. And, and it's, you know, if I, because I can, because I can, <laughs> because you can't, um, yeah. but if I do it in a healthy way, you know, you don't want to eat a carton of ice cream. Not that I haven't, but you just, you also don't. Yeah, you don't want to drink. I think it's like the idea of moderation, right? Right, like teaching that of like, hey, and I think this is like all food and all drinks, Mm -hmm. right? Is like nothing has to be totally forbidden. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you like eat a whole container of ice cream, like your stomach's gonna hurt, and you're probably not gonna feel very good. So we learn how much ice cream is too much ice cream. Mm We've learned the same thing with alcohol. Mm-hmm. But so saying to your kids, yeah, I can do this. I can do this every day. I know that I can drink two beers in the evening and that's okay. And it doesn't impact other parts of my life. It's right? not affecting my relationships. It doesn't mean yep. I can't go to work. That is what I say. Kind of like, well, yeah, it's not impacting. Alcohol can impact other parts of your life. And that's something that's really important. And I think when we, we talk about families with addiction. It's like, yes, it's something I actually really monitor because I am genetically predisposed Mm -hmm. to alcoholism. And and I'll say that like my dad was an alcoholic. And so I'm very aware of that for me and what that looks like for me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm also really aware that it's not impacting like my ability to go to work, my health, like, am I working out my relationships with you? If you feel like it is, please talk to me about it. Yes. Right. If you feel like it is absolutely come talk to me about it. And I I like the way you said that, because I think that's a very important, that's an open door. Again, you're not creating something forbidden. You're leaving the door open, but you're not putting the responsibility on the kid to fix it or to come if it's a problem. Mm -hmm. What you're just saying is if you have feelings about this, or if you have questions about this, please come, let's talk about it. And I think another point that I think both of you have made too, is like acknowledging to kids if alcoholism runs in your family, mm-hmm. right? And just letting kids know like, hey, it, it doesn't mean you're going to be an alcoholic, no. right? It means we have like a higher genetic risk factor and we need to be more careful. Mm-hmm. And that might not feel fair. That's not something that you as a kid did, but it's something you have to be mindful of. And I think actually modeling the anxiety that I have about it is in fact kind of showing him how I would like for him to be thinking about it at age 40. I would Mm -hmm. love for my kids to be like, I can drink socially, I can drink on my own, and I'm thoughtful about it, and I know it's not impacting important parts of my life. But I have to be aware of myself enough and model that for him if he's going to be set up for that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I was thinking about how this may have come up in my own family when my daughter was younger. And I think one of the things that brought it up is we were out. I wasn't drinking, but I hadn't driven us there. And on the way home, I switched and I was the driver. And that was the tell, tell, if you will. Absolutely. For my daughter. And then we talked about it. Cause then she said, you know, why are you driving? And then we said, you know, well, if you drink and really, if you drink any alcohol, you shouldn't drive. 
Um, but if you drink a certain amount, you really shouldn't drive. I mean, our rule at our house is really like, you know, it's just better not to drive if you're drinking at all with your kids in the mm-hmm. car and stuff. But, but yeah, so I remember it starting now that we're talking about, it, I do actually remember that conversation, having that conversation. And it really wasn't a deep conversation. Like as soon as we answered the question, like the questions were over mm-hmm. because I think she was probably like seven or eight. And that's the healthiest conversation to have because at seven or eight, you've modeled healthy driving behavior, healthy mm-hmm. drinking and driving behavior. And not only it's not happening without her realizing what's happening, right. you're labeling a healthy decision, right. which is just increasing the chances that she's going to make that healthy decision later in life. So I, it's not a mistake that I didn't say I'm just a better driver. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if your partner was drunk, yeah. like maybe she wouldn't have liked that. <laughs> she wouldn't have noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I but I also, pants. oh, I had this thought guys, I'm starting to say to my kids, cause I had to have the sex talk with one of them with my four-year-old. So it's okay. Um, I essentially said, I wanted to say like, if you're curious about women's bodies, come to me. But instead I said, when you're curious about oh, girls' bodies, yes. come to me. And so I think that that's the other piece with this yes. drinking is when you're curious about what you're seeing, please talk to me about it. So, because then it's making sure that it's okay. The when, like, of course you're going to be curious. Well, all kids are curious. Absolutely. All kids are curious about anything that people in their life that they look up to do. Yep. Whether that's a sibling or a parent or an aunt or an uncle or like a babysitter, Mm -hmm. right? Like any older person that they look up to, they're going to be curious about like, what are you doing? Why? So say when you're curious, Mm -hmm. talk to me about it. And I think knowing for yourself as a parent that when that conversation happens, it's normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would say Whether take it's... some deep breaths. <laughs> yes. I think you're just going to have to tell me that like all of parenting when I become a parent. <laughs> no, but all of us, we need when yeah. our kids do say it, it's going to terrify us. Well, Don't I think, you think? I think one of the things that I try to do, and I know my friends do the same thing, is you not only say, you know, please know you can come talk to me about it, but you might say you can also talk to... Oh, that's so, a good so, idea. So, so, well, I'm saying this because you guys are on my daughter's list and, and probably she's already reached out to you and you guys have just been both really been nice and not told me. But um, <laughs> I think that that's also really helpful because sometimes it's not that they don't want to talk to you about it. It's It just feels too vulnerable in that moment or they even want to process one more step further before they come to you directly. And a lot of it comes out of love and respect for their parent. It's not that they feel embarrassed even. It's just almost they don't it's going to be awkward. They know it might be a little, I'm talking more about teens, obviously. They're going to feel a little awkward and they almost want to bounce it off someone else before they get there. And I think what's so great about this, and I know I've said this in other podcasts though, is like having them actually go to a person other than just use the internet. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like having them know like there are safe people in my life that I can go to, whether it's my parents or it's someone before my parents. Like maybe it feels awkward. Maybe... I just need to practice before I talk to my parents about it. But like catching kids before they just Google. Right. Because then you don't have like any filter on what information they get. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not going to be age appropriate. Absolutely. It's just not. No, it's not. (laughs) So to all my friends listening, please feel free to talk to my children about my drinking and sex. (laughs) Just go. Just go. So what about celebratory drinking, right? Because that's another piece. So it was just the 4th of July. And I actually think it was like a three-day bender, just to be honest, right? There was a ton of drinking around the 4th of July. It was a celebration. There are weddings. What else is considered celebratory I think holidays for some Holidays. Families. Birthdays coming out of COVID. 
I think it's is coming one out giant of COVID. celebration. I agree with you. So I think mm-hmm. yeah, every part, weekend is yeah, I feel a celebration. Like people are, I think some people have either been drinking more or they've, they're out of practice in the social drinking. I also of- think that people are more anxious socially. Yes. Yeah. I think adults and kids are mm-hmm. more anxious. And I think as adults, when we're socially anxious, people drink too much without meaning to. Yes. It doesn't, sometimes you don't even realize until it hits you later. Yes. Talking for a friend. So (laughs) it's also a million degrees out. (laughs) So everyone, you're right. Everyone I think is celebrating whether they have a reason to, or it's just out of COVID and we're anxious. There is a lot more. And maybe another word for celebration is binging. But it's it's celebratory because there is a piece of health in it. Binging is so negative. I think there is some health in celebratory drinking. Well, and I think like the reason we call it celebratory drinking is that it's not the norm, right? It's not yes. like what you're doing on a Tuesday night, right? right. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to a wedding every week, although there was a time where I was going to weddings, like it felt like every weekend, <laughs> right? But the idea being like, this is a special event. I'm with people that I really love and care about or like really close friends and Part of the way that we celebrate this is by drinking more. So, but it's not like the norm. So, if we're talking about, so it's it's a positive, healthy, happy. But there's still like with the way you describe it, Caroline, you're talking about there's still safety in place for our kids. Mm -hmm. So, so we're still not putting the kids at risk to being around something that feels really unsafe, or they're not cared for, or they're right. We're Mm -hmm. still talking about a situation where it might be a heightened, happy. Well, I think anytime you go somewhere and there are toasts, like the whole point of a toast (laughs) is a public drinking. So I think there's a piece where we have to explain that to our children. Mm -hmm. Like even though you are seeing us toast and drink and buy drinks for people, it's still safe. We might put some more safeguards in place. Like we might Uber home. Right. But it's still safe. Or the kids might go home early with a babysitter. Seems like a great idea. Mm -hmm. Or like one parent might only have two drinks. Right. Right. Yeah, or no drinks. Right. Yes, absolutely. So kind of saying there is celebratory drinking. It's probably going to happen. I think you're right. Giving them the preamble to it once mm-hmm. they're once they're old enough to understand it and also telling them what some of those safeguards are, because that's mm-hmm. another opportunity to scaffold healthy drinking for them. And you're also giving them power in that situation. You want to give them all the power, but you're giving them some ability to look around and see and trust their feelings. Like if they feel uncomfortable with someone who's gotten very drunk and we just paint this picture that, well, it's okay for everybody to drink today, then seeing someone who's really drunk and it's making them uncomfortable, they're not going to trust their own feelings about that. But if we say to them, you know, there are levels of drinking and, and yes, that was a little too much or that person's mm-hmm. probably had too much, but uh, you know, this person's actually doing it in a really careful way. Like being able to give them some lines to differentiate healthy drinking as well. Because I think it's hard for kids if they, like if you just say drinking is good or bad or drinking, if it's 4th of July is fine and someone falls over, then that's, that's going to be hard to understand if it doesn't feel safe. Guys, I was at a quote unquote volleyball tournament this weekend. Um, (laughs) You were just jock of all trades. I mean, not really. I mean, it's very, and we were playing against like 20 to 24 year olds. It was a whole bunch of 40 year old parents (laughs) against a team of 
college level soccer players that are 20 to 24 oh year old on That's July amazing. 4th. Did you guys win? I hope Actually, it was 24 to 22. We played seven times. The oh, adults wow. have won twice. I mean, I, I can go into That's this. That's still good. Really, I love you really that. Beat me too. <laughs> but here's part of why we won, to be honest with you. At one point, we took a break and we took a pause and some of the college kids went over into a corner and beer bonged a beer. Okay. <laughs> like I'm not lying. Like this is the level. Yeah. But it's okay for them to mm-hmm. do that. I didn't love that my kids saw it. Like I was a little like, oh, how do I feel about this? I don't know. But I, but I do think being able at to say to them. At least they kind of tried to go off and do it. I mean, at least the they did. They were trying to be in a corner. Mm-hmm. But I also think I can say to them, they're 20 to 25. Right. They're not going home and putting kids to sleep and are responsible for kids' safety, right? Like no, I, they're like Ubering home and going to bed. They're probably Ubering to the corner yeah, I was and going say, or out. Or they're going out. <laughs> They were like, this is the pregame to the pregame to the pregame. And I was like, well, I'll be at the pre-pre-pregame with you. (laughs) Well, and I honestly think it's a really hard – 20 to 25 is the hardest age group for me to be able to figure out if there's like a drinking problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like as a therapist, it is so hard. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because of just culturally in college in this country, what people do. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think, so I think saying that to my kids, like, yes, you saw that. How did that make you feel? You know, that's something that you can do from 20 to 25. I was playing volleyball with them, but I was not beer bonging. <laughs> Just <laughs> FYI. So now I know how you guys They wanted to shotgun beers too. And I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the adults took a pause and maybe came back stronger. That's exactly how we did the it. pause. Yes. yes. Yeah. The, the, kid, the adults took a pause, checked on their children. Yeah. Make sure they were all okay. Explained what the people were doing in the corner and went back and beat the 20-year-olds. So essentially, awesome. I'm like, for those 20-year-olds, drinking was impacting their life because now they've lost to a bunch of 40-year-olds. <laughs> Who will never let them forget it, I yep. hope. That's right. So yeah, so I think talk to your kids about it. But I think that is the piece too, is when there's a celebration and you see something that is out of the norm, which not even out of the norm because that's totally normal they were doing that, it gives you a chance to talk to your kids about it. Yeah. Same thing with going to a wedding or, you know, we, my niece just got married and so her friends are all older than my daughter, but there was, you know, healthy-ish drinking, but definitely celebratory drinking. And so just being around that, and we actually did have conversation, not, it wasn't new conversation, but it was about navigating some of that. Yeah. And I think it's just like, don't ignore it. Right. Right. Like empower your kids to understand what's going on and to then be a teenager at a wedding you know, an older teenager and understand like, oh, cousin so-and-so is like wasted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or what do I do if they decide? I really like that idea you had about the eating too, Caroline, because it's like we talk to our kids about screen time all the time. All my babysitters make fun of me for saying screen time. But we talk to our kids about screen time. We talk to them about healthy food choices. We talk to them about sex, right? Mostly Mm -hmm. we talk to them about absolutely, but we're not Mm -hmm. talking to them about this adult drinking. When Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of it, even like healthy, safe sex and like eating intuitively, it's like listening to your body. Mm-hmm. It's trusting yourself. And it's like knowing what your body's telling you. What do these cues mean? But culturally, we're just really disconnected from checking in with our bodies. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. overthink. Can we touch on just how to handle if you are in a situation <laughs> where you do overdrink in front of your children? Because I think about that. I probably first think about that as having been that kid, but I think about that in kids I work with Mm -hmm. and, and how like the dynamics you start to see, I have some ideas, but how do you guys think it's best handled? 
I think you have to own it because you can't wipe their memories. I think you have to own it. Like, I think you have to own it and like say, I don't know. I guess you say like I had too much to drink last night Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you have any feelings about it or what your feelings about it are. Yeah. I like, I like, you have to be really vulnerable to do that, Caroline. You're the one who said to make sure to check in about their feelings. But even as a parent, I was like, oh my gosh, Caroline, Mm -hmm. that's so smart. And that would feel so vulnerable to me. I'm sure it would feel terrifying because you're opening the door for your kid to say like, it really, really bothered me Mm -hmm. or I felt scared. Yeah. I think, and it's a really delicate walk, but you have to be really careful not to give up being the adult but you don't have to assert control. Does it make sense? Yeah. Talk about it though. Cause that sounds complicated. I think I need a drink to talk about it. <laughs> I think what I get to sound complicated. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, I think what I mean by that is it's important to be vulnerable and to say exactly what Caroline's saying, but to hold the space as the responsible adult, um, being accountable, but not apologizing so much that you then put the child into a parentified role or mm-hmm. into the, into being in charge of you and your drinking. So what would that sound like? What would like an appropriate apology sound like? I think it would sound like what you said. Like I, um, you know, I, I drank too much last night. I realized that, um, I'm sorry about that. I don't like that. I did that. And it made me uncomfortable thinking back about that. How are you feeling about that? Can we talk about that? But not saying, um, I'm so sorry I did that. I must've ruined your night it must've made you feel really weird. Like don't name their feelings Mm -hmm. next time. Just give me a little nudge so I don't do it. Yeah. Don't put it on your kid. Right. Don't put it on your kid. And I think don't make any promises that you can't keep. Oh, absolutely. Right. Right. So don't say like, it'll never happen again. Right. You can say like the next time we have a celebratory drinking thing or the next time I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm only going to have two drinks for the next three Mm -hmm. weeks every night. And like giving your kid that time frame or something, but yeah. not saying like, I'm never going to drink again if you're going to have a drink that night. Yeah. And I think it, sometimes kids just want you to be okay. Like you have to be a little careful not to have them just go, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good. And also, like you said, like not make promises, but you can say, and, and not again, not open everything up either. Like I felt really mm-hmm. bad about that, or I shouldn't have made those de- those decisions, or I shouldn't have run naked through the... I don't know, but, um, but just say something more like, you know, meet them where they are and say, you know, look, I'm sorry. You could even be empathic and say, if I were you, I might've felt a little uncomfortable by that. That's why I'm checking in. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, however you feel is fine. And if you don't want to talk about this right now, we can certainly talk about it, you know, whenever you're ready, but I do want you to know that I know that, that, Mm -hmm. that I did that. And, and, um, And I think there's this piece too, where you can again model for your kids, which is saying that is one of the risks of drinking, right? Mm -hmm. Drinking makes you really vulnerable. There's one thing I tell teenage girls, which is, or, and it should be anybody to be honest with you, but every drink we have increases our risk. It increases our vulnerability. So if you're going to go out and binge drinks, this is for college kids, have 10 drinks, you better be really sure that you have a core group of friends that you're willing to be very... Sarah's giving us wide eyes, like who has 10 drinks? (laughs) Well, I'm just trying to think about that, like 10 drinks. Like, yeah, that's a lot, right? I'm like, Caroline and I are like, no. (laughs) For college kids? 
So I went through different phases in college. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> like not that many for a college kid. No, you're I right. I mean, I Actually, think like if you, if I think about college kids, they pregame, so they have like yeah. a couple shots before they leave, mm-hmm. and and a lot of Bud Light. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I, I so think like it's like that's tequila. where you teach safe drinking to college students, right? Yes. Like, okay, shots are not working out well for you because you're getting too drunk. Maybe you need to only drink beer instead of shots and mixed drinks. So let me back up. So the look on my face you just saw, which was a little shocked. It wasn't so much my drinking as a college kid or even all the students that I see and talk to. It literally was me imagining my 16-year-old in college and all of a sudden going, oh, fuck, she might – yeah, like yeah. that's coming, and hopefully, absolutely, hopefully, it'll wait till college, not be. But here, but here's the line: is mm-hmm. every time you drink, you increase your risk, you you increase your vulnerability. Yeah. Isn't that the line? Is that the line? I've yeah, heard? and we talk saying? we talk about decreasing your personal power. Oh, yes. that's right, right. But I and I think that's the piece is saying when you drink, there is more risk, and the risk of making a fool of yourself or hurting your relationships, like mm-hmm. I just did, that increases, and I made a mistake. And that's mm-hmm. why we have to be so thoughtful about drinking, mm-hmm. right? So I'm I'm reflecting on this as it kind of like it made something between me and you, you know, child of mine that I didn't want to make. And I apologize for that. Mm-hmm. And this is also something that you have to think about as a part of drinking in the future. This is a real risk that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of modeling going on, huh? And I think that like if you start having that conversation regularly, right? If you as the adult are realizing like, Yes. I'm drinking more than I would like to be or than is healthy repeatedly, like maybe that's a time to talk to someone about your drinking. And that, like we said, it doesn't mean you're never drinking again, but figuring out like how do I reel my drinking in mm-hmm. so that it's not getting in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, if we sit for a minute and just think about as adult women and we're all in different age groups, I would bet all of us still have that little awkwardness about trying to talk to a friend about their drinking if we're concerned, right? Absolutely. Like it's a little weird and a little awkward. And I'm wondering if we can really raise kids to be more open and talk about stuff if that will decrease too. Like, cause it's about caring for each other in a broader way. Right. And for mm-hmm. friends, like, so if we're teaching our kids how to talk about it, my hope would also be, cause I also have these conversations with my daughter, like, here's what happens when you drink too much. Here's what to do. If you have a friend that drinks too much, here's what, you know, mm-hmm. here's, here are the things you can do at your age right now. If you have a concern about a friend or if your friend has a concern about their parent or that we have a broader conversation about those things. But I wonder if that'll help change some of the things we even bump up against now. Well, and I imagine future. it's hard, like talking to your partner. Absolutely. Drinking too much. Yeah. Like yes. I think anyone that you care about, if they're drinking too much, it's a hard conversation to bring up. I mean, I might, I don't know how you feel. I mean, I think growing up with an alcoholic parent that came up so early in my, in my relationship that that was something that I would be easily triggered around, that it's always been a very open conversation in my relationship because I said very, very early on, like that I, I have some triggers around that. And so I will always Mm -hmm. need to probably talk to you about that some. So we, it's always been really open and it is pretty open with my kid too. I think it's hard. I think giving feedback to your partner is hard. Like no matter, you just want to be so thoughtful about it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think when you're early on in a relationship, it's easy. Yeah. It did not trigger me early on. I don't think. And even now my whole story is more about my own stuff. Right. You can hear I'm spinning as my own parent because I have such a story with my dad. Yeah. Me too. too, Right. For sure. Yeah. So how do you talk to your kids 
about if you, there is alcoholism in your family. How do you talk about it? How do you... If it's active still, you mean? Like if they're witnessing it or just in general? I think if they're witnessing it, my thought is go to whoever is helping you through that. I think if they're witnessing alcoholism, it's worth kind of having a therapist at least check in. Like nothing... You shouldn't be getting that info from a podcast, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like get someone that's personal to you. Yes, to your family and you. But But for us... Who who's had like alcoholism that we know, how do we, how do we talk to our kids about it? And yeah, how do we talk to our kids about it? I, I've always been really open about the fact that it was something as a kid that made me uncomfortable with, to witness and that I had a hard time with it. And that as I grew up, I learned more about how to talk about that, but that it, when I was young, it was hard to talk about. So that was part of how I opened up the door to say, like, if you are ever, you know, have any feelings about, you know, either your mom or myself or anybody in our family, please talk about that with us. So I kind of used it, I guess, in that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I've also been really clear about the disease piece of that, that how hard it is on your body and your brain and your life ultimately. And if it's genetically wired in, which yes. I think it is, I think at this point, I'm willing to bet kind of it's in almost everybody's genetic line somewhere. Right. Oh, the, I probably. Think so, right. And, I mean, not just because we're therapists, we hear about it a lot, but I think truthfully, I think so. And so I think the line is it does run in our family, just like blue eyes runs in our family. Right. And so this is something you are always going to have to be aware of. And it's a responsibility to the kids. Like it's a responsibility that I have and you'll hear me reflecting on it. And it's a responsibility that you're going to have. And that's why I want to help you. I, I want to help you learn yes. because it, it is a responsibility that we carry. Mm-hmm. And it's also something you can't change just because you, you know, in my daughter's case, just because you wish you had blonde hair doesn't mean you get to have blonde hair. Like you can't wish it away. Mm-hmm. I mean, ha- but you can dye it. Well, you can dye your hair. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. You can also just not talk about the alcoholic. But <laughs> this is <laughs> totally natural. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's, it, you're right. Like it's, it's kind of, it's our responsibility in our families. Well, and I talk a lot about like having a genetic predisposition doesn't mean like you're destined to be an alcoholic, right? It means you have a higher risk Mm -hmm. and you need to be more thoughtful and more careful. Mm -hmm. And like you may have to think about things in a way that other people don't. Right. And I also kind of feel like, hey, if – if there are a lot of people with alcoholism in your family, then you need to be more careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have if you're struggling with your mental health, like that may put you at a higher risk as well. Right. And so I try not to be scary about it, but just to like talk about like being thoughtful I in like a way the, that other people may not have to be. I like the part you just mentioned about the mental health piece or just even if you know it's not a diagnosed mental health kind of situation, but just, I've said to my daughter and to other teenagers, like whatever you're feeling as you enter into the drinking spell, you're going to exacerbate, like it's going to get more. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling really sad about breaking up with your boyfriend, sitting down and drinking a ton is probably not going to help you feel better at the end of that. We've all seen that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. There are some great songs about that girl. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that just, again, that's just, it's like normalizing and just talking about it. Like it's, it's not a big deal that it's, there's no judgment in it. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a really important thing that 
we haven't talked about with like modeling healthy drinking or talking to your kids about healthy drinking is like, I don't drink to cope. Yes. Right. Like I don't drink Mm -hmm. because I have to, because I won't feel okay if I don't. Mm -hmm. I feel the urge to say speak for yourself right now, but I don't mean that. I'm just joking. (laughs) But no, I mean, I think that's so, that's so important actually. I really like that you said that. I'm even thinking, so I hope that throughout this whole podcast, you all, you have felt we d- we really don't want any adult to feel judged with this because oh, gosh, no. no, not I at mean, all. Yeah, we're we're talking about it because it impacts our lives as our parents do, and also for us as adults. So, you know, I'm even going to be really vulnerable, and this is like making me realize something. Ooh, I was about to be super vulnerable, but you, you go were, first. Oh, I'm so glad. Go ahead. No, it's not. I don't. So I got this app, and I can link this in the show notes too, called the Cutback Coach. Because for me, it's more, it's not about like binge drinking. Like I'm not bad in that, but I think I have like one or two drinks like every night and I don't want to do that. I want to have some more quote unquote dry days per the cutback coach. So it sends you these daily texts to be like, Hey, you're going to have a dry day today. (laughs) And it's like funny and it has helped. I will say that, but Cole saw some of the texts and he was like, what is this? And I don't think I gave it the time that I needed to. I just was like, Oh yeah. Like I don't want to be drinking that much. So it's just helping me stay on track on that. You know what I mean? But it's, it's mostly just cause I wanted to have dry days, but I need to explain it to him more. I need to sit down and talk to him about why I do that. Cause mm-hmm. for me, it's more like in all honesty, it's probably more calories than alcohol stuff. It's more like I want to have a better track of my calories. Mm-hmm. So I was going to be vulnerable and explain the time that I use too much. And, um, for me, that's a pretty thin line cause I'm not a very heavy drinker probably because of my own childhood, but, um, it definitely took me out of commission. And so during a holiday and I was hosting the holiday (laughs) and, um, we love this story. Yes, we do. So I, about midday decided it might be a slight stress reliever because everybody was, see, this is why it should never be a coping skill because that obviously didn't work very well. So it just hit me really hard. And I think for lots of different reasons and not for any excuses, but I, um, clearly did not feel up to the task of cooking Christmas dinner at that point (laughs) and hosting not only all my siblings, my parents and our good friends. So I took to my bed with, um, lots of support and love from my partner, which was lovely. And, um, my brothers were super kind and supportive. Although I think there was some secondary gain in enjoying the fact that I had covered for them for so many years. (laughs) And in fact, they were having to cover for me for the first time in my life because I'm the oldest. And I did not tell my daughter at that time. And I felt actually a lot of shame about it, to be honest. And it's a funny story. I certainly have shared it with my friends. But I, as I was thinking more and more, not about this podcast, I actually finally told her um, a while ago, but I was kind of trying to think about how I wanted to, I wanted, I knew I needed to, to share it because it was, I mean, I think she just thought I had the flu, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody, um, everybody that was over 75 at our Christmas, everybody under 75 knew exactly what was happening. So I did finally share it and it was, it was totally comfortable. It was a great teachable moment. I had passed that place of having my own shame about it at that point, truthfully. So I was ready to kind of own it and talk about it really openly. And she had some really great questions and she had super empathy and was super kind about it, but it was interesting. Like I got to stay the adult. So that was safe. Mm -hmm. I got to use it in a teaching moment, Mm -hmm. but I did get to be really vulnerable and I shared how I felt and how bad I felt and how also it impacted my role in the family in that time, yeah. you know, all these pieces. And I think, um, I think it worked out. Okay. I mean, right now 
it seems okay. But I think it was like, I, I think it was helpful in mm-hmm. the sense that it will be something she does right. remember. She witnessed it. She didn't know what it was, but she witnessed it. Um, and she, and if I've ever gone to bed early, not feeling good, she's never come in and been like, have you been drinking? No, you know, mm-hmm. but right. so, I mean, I think it's just was what it was. It like wasn't mm-hmm. scarring in that way. Yeah. But yeah, it is a funny story and it is one that will, um, my family will enjoy holding over my head for the rest of my life. My brothers at least maybe. And so we think that's the point is when you're talking to your kids about drinking, number one, have overall healthy drinking. We know you're going to have some slip ups, but talk to your kids about it in healthy ways. Listen to this podcast. If you need some lines just to take from us, cause we just shared our vulnerability. I will come back with a story 10 years from now when I have messed up in front of my kids. <laughs> Great. I cannot wait. Um, and also, oh, if you like this podcast, feel free to share and like it on, what are we on? Apple, Stitcher. I think we're everywhere you can find a Instagram. podcast. And if you want to hear more about our practice, you can go to www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We have offices all over Virginia now, which we're super excited about. And let us know if you have any questions. Anything else, you all? Thanks for listening. Can't wait to talk to you guys soon. Bye, everyone. (laughs)